So that's a wrap on the Orioles' regular season. And now to the playoffs we go. But the O's luckily, by winning the ALDS, get a little break here this week. So we got a little time to look back on September. Who played well? Who's hot heading into October? And who wins the Orioles' September awards? That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. And welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to give out some awards to the Orioles for the month of September. Been doing it every month during the regular season. and going to cap it off with the September awards for the Orioles. Talk about the O's MVP, best pitcher, best reliever, and more from the month. Plus, pick out my best win, best moments, biggest home run, etc. from the great month of September in which the Orioles clinched a playoff berth and then clinched the American League East. And then to polish things off, Hey, the Orioles aren't playing in a postseason game today, but many teams are as the AL and NL wildcard series begin today. I'll give my official, definitely going to be right predictions, and talk a little bit about the matchup that would be heading to Baltimore. Rays and Rangers, who the O's should want to play that gives them a better chance of advancing on to the ALCS. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure whether you listen on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever it may be, you give us a rating and a five-star review and subscribe to the pod. And make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to Locked On Orioles on YouTube. We are just shy of 5,000 YouTube subscribers. Once we get there, going to do another cool giveaway, Orioles-themed giveaway here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. And the main way to subscribe and be entered for those giveaways is to subscribe to the pod on YouTube. So make sure you go and do that. Thank you so much for everyone who has tagged along the entire regular season, the everydayers out there specifically. want to thank you. But now we got postseason baseball. So tell your friends, you know, even the people who maybe didn't even pay that much attention during the regular season, but hey, saying the Orioles are in the playoffs, let me lock back in. Tell them about the Locked On Orioles podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, we're giving out September awards. Been doing it every month of the season. Going to finish it off with, I guess, September slash October awards because the regular season did end on October 1st. That was the final day. But these stats I'll be reading out will be including October 1st. Either way, it was another great month for the Orioles. In the September slash October month, the Orioles were great again. And honestly, you know, you look back on what was their worst month, it was June, right? They went 13 and 11 in June. Every other month was way better than that. Orioles go 18 and 11 in September. And you got to remember those final three games when they went one and two, games didn't matter. So really, they went. 17 and 9 in the games that mattered in the final month that allowed them to get to the postseason and win the ALEs. Just what a job by the Orioles. So I wanted to give out some awards. And let's start right here with the Orioles MVP of the month of September. And it's got to go to Adley Rutschman, who had just been so, so steady for the Orioles this year. And yes, he was red hot back in March and April. But really, I wouldn't say he cooled down, but he wasn't the Orioles' best hitter really for any other month 
until September, when in 119 plate appearances, Rutschman hit 292 with a 412 on base and a 510 slugging. He had four homers. He had a team high 156 WRC plus, which means he was 56% better than a league average hitter in the month of September. And here's the stat that really shows you how good Adley's going. A 17% walk rate at the plate, that is elite. And he was walking way more than he was striking out. Just a 13% strikeout rate in the month of September. Adley was just awesome this month and really kind of led the Orioles. Best pitcher of the month, couple of choices for this one, but you got to go with Kyle Bradish, who is the Orioles' ace, should be the game one starter on Saturday in the ALDS, and also finished his season very, very strong. Bradish, who made six starts in September. Now, remember, the final start, October 1st, he only goes two innings. He was dominant in those innings, but 35 innings in the final month of the season, a 2.06 ERA with a 29% strikeout rate, which is great, and a 6% walk rate, which is elite. Bradish was just incredible. I mean, what else can you say about the guy? He's the ace of this staff. He's starting game one. He could lead the Orioles to a World Series. That's how good he has been. And then the rookie of the month, got to give it to the Orioles' number two pitcher. Grayson Rodriguez was their best rookie in September. He made five starts and in 29 innings was almost as good as Bradish. A 2.17 ERA for Rodriguez in the month, 26% strikeout rate and also a 6% walk rate. Just was throwing strikes and quality strikes throughout the month. Obviously, his best start was what he did against Tampa. And at that time, the Orioles' biggest game of the season, backs against the wall. Grayson goes eight shutout innings against the Rays to get a huge win to put the O's back into sole possession of first place in the AL East. Man, the the, the one-two combo right now of Bradish Rodriguez, I get that there's a lot of bigger names in baseball in terms of one-two starting pitchers, but the way those two guys are pitching, I would put that up against anyone else's top two in the postseason right now. Best reliever of the month. There were a couple of guys who were in this running, also a couple of guys who did kind of struggle. Because remember, the Orioles had those 17 consecutive days with games in September. Bullpen got tired. They didn't have Felix Bautista for the entire month. That was the first time they had felt that for an entire month this season. So the bullpen didn't have a banner month, at least until the end. But I'm going to give this award to Tyler Wells. Now, I know he didn't show up in the pen until you know mid to late September when he finally got recalled from AAA Norfolk. But when he came back in four appearances... Wells went five scoreless innings. The only base runner he allowed was one walk. And that was in the game, the meaningless game on Sunday. Struck out six, no hits, no runs, obviously, in the five innings of work, which included he pitched the ninth inning and a 1-2-3 ninth of both the 5-1 win over the Nats last Wednesday that got the Orioles' magic number to one, and then a 2-0 game came in and got his first save since 2021 with a 1-2-3-9 to clinch a 2-0 win over the Red Sox and clinch the AL East for the Orioles. What a moment for Wells. You know, after being maybe the Orioles' best starting pitcher in the first half, he goes to double A, arm just looks completely tired and fatigued, three terrible starts coming out of the All-Star break. Double A goes okay, they move him up to triple A, but as a reliever, then he struggles there, has to be shut down for a couple of weeks in Norfolk finally gets back to the big leagues in a relief role. And you don't really know what to expect. The Orioles just need a fresh arm, honestly, when they recalled him in Cleveland. And he's gone five hitless, scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Again, I've said this before. I don't think the Orioles are going to Tyler Wells as like their main closer in the postseason. But I think we're all in agreement. He's going to get some high leverage innings, and that is going to be huge for Baltimore. Most pleasant surprise in the month, 
Not that I doubted this guy, but it was huge to get this kind of performance from John Means, who comes off the injured list finally in early September, returning from Tommy John surgery, pitching for the Orioles for the first time since April of 2022, joining the middle of a pennant race. You don't really know what you're going to get out of him, and he got some great stuff. He made four starts, he threw 23 and two-thirds innings, and had a 2.70 ERA. Now, he only struck out 11% of batters, which is about half of the league average. So again, he's not really missing bats at the moment, but got a lot of soft contact and his 5% walk rate is very, very good. Was throwing strikes, which is a good sign. The changeup looked good. The fastball looked good. The curveball and slider still coming along, but we're at the point, and I'll talk about this more later this week. We're at the point where I would trust John Means to start a postseason game right now. And that is huge for what the O's have gotten out of him in September. And then we do have to give out most disappointing of the month. Unfortunately, it was Cedric Mullins. And it's very funny because you could argue that Cedric Mullins maybe took the two biggest swings of the month of September for the Orioles. The walk-off sack fly in the Sunday game against the Rays that clinched the playoff berth and gave the O's a huge advantage in the division. And the three-run homer that flipped the game in the ninth inning in Houston, which we'll get to later. May have been the two biggest swings of September for the Orioles. And yet it kind of felt like those were the only two big moments he had and the only two times he really got the bat going. In 96 plate appearances in September, Mullins hit just 191 with a 240 on base and 326 slugging. That was just a 51 WRC plus for Cedric Mullins in September. Now, you know, he mostly will be an everyday player in the postseason. There's a chance the Orioles could think about sitting him against potentially a left-handed starter. Now, if they face Tampa, Tampa right now doesn't have any lefty starters, so you should see Mullins in there every day. For the Rangers, they do have Martin Perez and Andrew Haney who could start some games, a couple of lefties, so maybe Mullins would sit one of those games. I even think at this point he would still just hit eighth or ninth against a lefty. The O's are going to need him out there for the defense, for he's been there before. They know the bat can get going. It's not going right now, but they're going to need him to come up big in the playoffs, so hopefully... The struggles are behind him in September, and he can get it going in October. But that's not everything I wanted to talk about in the month of September for the Orioles, because I wanted to highlight some awesome moments, not just individual performances as well. Like the Orioles' best win, their best series, the biggest home run, and more from the amazing month of September. That is coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by bird dogs. You've heard me talk about bird dogs before. These are the most comfortable pair of shorts I have ever owned. I've got three pairs of the bird dog shorts, one pair of the pants as well, which I've finally started to break out. Now, maybe not this week. It's getting a little warmer, but last week that weather was chilling. Got the bird dog pants on for the first time. And let me just tell you, they're just as good as the shorts as well. But the bird dogs are great because they fit good, they feel good, and They make you look good as well. They do the exact same thing as those Lululemon shorts, but they just fit way better. Way better fit than regular shorts that are made of that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed that issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that is so soft and so comfortable. And the Bird Dogs, they are functional for any occasion you could want. Throw on your Bird Dogs and head out the door. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB or enter promo code LockedOnMLB at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you that. 
So it's kind of a good feeling here on a Tuesday, right? Like the wildcard series are starting tonight, really today in the afternoon, and the Orioles aren't playing in them. And it's not because they missed the postseason. It's because they won 101 games, won the AL East, and got the buy into the ALDS, which doesn't start until Saturday. The Orioles have five days off this week. Now, we did get some word that the Orioles are going to take the full day off Monday and then start some workouts at Camden Yards on Tuesday. They're actually opening one of them up to the public on Wednesday afternoon. Pretty cool by the Orioles right there, but they're going to be ready to go. This rest is going to be awesome for them. Just, It's just incredible that this team won the division. It's truly incredible. And a big part of that was how well they played in September. I mentioned 18-11 and 11 in September and October, clinching the division. And we've just given out some of the individual awards from that month. We're going to talk about some of the best performances and moments from September as well here on this September awards episode. And let's start with the best win of the month. And I think you all know where I'm going with this one. September 17th at Camden Yards, a Sunday afternoon. Final score is the Orioles five and the Rays four in 11 innings, walking it off to win it on a Cedric Mullins sack fly to take that win, to split the series with the Rays, to go back up two games already had the tiebreaker. That win clinched a postseason berth for the Orioles and put them in the driver's seat in the AL East, which they would eventually win. I mean, what a game it was. You know, it's this crazy one-to-one affair, so tight. Then Jorge Lopez gives out the back-to-back homers in the eighth, and you're just thinking, this thing's over. Adley Rutschman homers in the eighth inning. All of a sudden, it's three to two. And then down to your final strike, Jorge Mateo on first, two outs. It's one and two to Adam Frazier against one of the best closers in baseball and Pete Fairbanks. And Adam Frazier just does what he does, just pokes one down the third baseline, no one playing there. Mateo's speed allows him to score on the RBI double to tie the game. Then, you know, the Rays get a run top 10. Orioles don't advance the runner in the first two outs at the bottom of the 10th. You're thinking this thing's over. And then Adley Rutschman just kind of pokes one just up the middle for an RBI single to tie it at four. And then it was a huge moment for D.L. Hall, who despite the zombie runner, put up the zero in the top of the 11th. And then Cedric Mullins came through with that walk-off sack fly bottom half. Just what a moment that was. What a celebration. Definitely the best win of the month. Of course, you got to give out the worst loss as well. And that had to be September 13th against the Cardinals. Cardinals won. Orioles nothing was the final score in Game 3 of that series at Camden Yards. And it was Drew Rahm who was dealt to the Cardinals at the deadline among three players that the Orioles sent over there for Jack Flaherty. And Rob, who had made three or four starts in the big leagues with the Cardinals before that one, but it was his homecoming back at Camden Yards, and he had by far the best start of his major league career. I mean, pitch scoreless into the sixth inning, striking out Orioles hitters left and right. He's been kind of bad since then, and the O's had no idea what to do against him. That was kind of a low point for the Orioles' offense this season, and it came against their old buddy, Drew Rahm. Best series of the year, or not of the year, of September. One of the best series of the year, honestly, but of September I'm actually not going to go with the Rays series because they didn't even win that series, although it was a huge win to get two out of four. I'm going to take us to Houston. September 18th through the 20th, directly after taking two out of four from the Rays. Orioles trying to hold on to first place, and they win that series somehow, some way. To get the comeback on Monday night, lock it down, using the bullpen, getting the big homers on Tuesday night, and then couldn't quite hold on to a one nothing lead, lost 2-1 to in walk-off fashion Wednesday, but couldn't get the sweep, but get a huge two wins out of three in Houston. That was big for the Orioles, kind of extending that lead in the AL East. Now, the worst series, got to go back to that Cardinals series because it wasn't just the loss to Drew Rahm. It was September 11th through the 13th in Baltimore. O's after winning game one 11-5, Cedric Mullins, a big go-ahead grand slam in the middle of that game. 
The offense just fell apart. They did nothing after that. Couldn't get anything going against Adam Wainwright on Tuesday night, then got literally nothing going against Drew Rahm the next night, and all of a sudden they had lost two out of three at home to the last-place Cardinals. It was the only series the Orioles lost in September, so pretty easy choice. And, uh, yeah, people were starting to jump off the bandwagon after those two games against St. Louis. Biggest home run of September? Give it to Cedric Mullins. It's one I mentioned already. It was part of the best series, but take us back to Monday, September 18th. In Houston, game one of a three-game set. Orioles coming off the emotional high the day before of the Mullins walk-off sack fly to beat the Rays, get two games up. And you're staring that lead going back down to, to a game and a half right in the face there. You're down 7-5, heading into the top of the ninth. You had already, you know, bullpen had kind of given up some runs earlier. You're trying to come back. Ryan Presley, who's a great closer for the Astros, is out there. And they just get a couple of knocks, put a couple of runners on. And then Cedric Mullins gets a pitch he can drive, mashes a three-run homer into right center field to flip the game on its head, go up 8-7. to seven. And now the Orioles didn't make it easy. They made an error to lead off the ninth inning. They made millions of roster and positional and bullpen pitching changes. But Inyer Cano got a huge strikeout with a runner on third and two down to win the game. Just what a swing by Cedric Mullins. And I mentioned earlier, he didn't have many big swings in this month. Didn't hit well at all. But the walk-off sack fly on that Sunday and the very next day to three-run homer, clearly the biggest home run of the month. And then the best pitching performance of September. A lot of great ones from Bradish. A lot of great ones from Rodriguez that we've talked about. Could have gone with any number of those. But I got to give it to John Means. Saturday, September 23rd in Cleveland. The Orioles had just lost the first two games of that series on the road against the Guardians and were in danger. If they lost that game too, maybe having the ALE slip out of their hands. Their bullpen was dead tired. The starters were being punched out early. It was not good. The offense was wavering a bit. They had just lost the night before on a crazy walk-off by David Fry after they had come back in the top of the ninth. Orioles were kind of at a low point of September. And then John Means comes in and just says, I'm going to be vintage John Means. He throws six and two-thirds no-hit innings before allowing a solo home run with two outs in the ninth to Andres Jimenez, but got himself through seven and a third innings of one-hit, one-run ball with four Ks and one walk. He was magical. The bullpen got some rest. They held on to a two-to-one lead and got a huge victory in game three of that series. Of course, they turned around and won game four to split the set and really just kind of rolled their way from there, turned it into a nice little five-game winning streak that led them to Thursday night and the AL East crown. And just a great job by John Means, who I think proved to himself and proved to the Orioles that really proved to the fans that he's ready to start a postseason game as well. But speaking of the postseason, the O's, as we know, aren't playing yet. But other teams are, as the four wildcard series commence today. So I'm going to give my AL and NL wildcard series predictions and then talk specifically about the Rangers and Rays series, right? Because the winner plays the O's. What are the pros and cons of taking on each team in the ALDS? Talk about that to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, right here with FanDuel. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. For me, I'm looking at this Sunday. The Ravens just dominated the Browns last weekend, and they might get to play another backup quarterback with Kenny Pickett of the Steelers going down with an injury last week. They might see another backup in Pittsburgh, and if they do, the Ravens are going to feast. So I'm taking the Ravens to cover on Sunday. And you can too. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So it was a great month of September for the Baltimore Orioles, helping them win a division and clinch this bye into the ALDS. They get five days off this week before playing on Saturday. Game times haven't been announced as a fan base, we're kind of assuming it's going to be a day game, and I think a lot of that has to do with the Billy Joel Stevie Nicks concert that is scheduled for 7 p.m. on Saturday night at M&T Bank Stadium right across the street. Basically impossible to hold a big event at each venue at the same time. So I was looking at the schedule from last year for the Saturday of ALDS and NLDS games when there were four games, and the games were played right around 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5.30, and 8.30, so I have a feeling maybe the 2 o'clock window is for the Orioles. They could even move it up further. It'll all be based on TV and who the opponent is. It's probably leaning that way, but nothing's for certain. The TV money could come in, and they could literally move that concert if they wanted to. So we will obviously keep an eye on what those start times would be for games 1 and 2 of the ALDS in Baltimore this weekend. And the Orioles will be playing either the Rays or the Rangers. That is the AL wildcard series matchup where the winner faces the O's. And those wildcard series starting today. I am very happy the O's are not in these because a best two out of three series to decide your season, I had enough with the AL wildcard game in 2016. I don't need to do that again. But we do know who the eight teams are who are playing in those series starting today. Let's start with the American League. It is, first of all, the Rangers at the Rays. Again, all three games, if necessary, are played at the home ballpark of the better seed. So it'll be Rangers at Rays. It's going to be an interesting series. You know, Rangers kind of limped to the finish line, looked like they had the AL West locked up and then completely choked it away this weekend to the Astros. Rays are very hurt, but they've been able to rest guys because they kind of a little bit conceded the AL East to the O's last week. My prediction in this series, I think the Rays take it, and honestly, I think they take it in two games. Rangers just don't have enough pitching right now, and they do not look good. The other AL series is the Blue Jays at the Twins. The Blue Jays sneaking in as the sixth seed in the AL. The Twins have known for a long time they'd be the three seed, locked up the AL Central, but their record nowhere close to the Astros and to the Orioles. Blue Jays team that's kind of underperformed all year, but still made it into the playoffs. They have, you know, a good rotation, a good offense, a good bullpen, but they never all seem to click at the same time. Twins, meanwhile, have a questionable and very injured offense. Carlos Correa is out. Royce Lewis is out. Joey Gallo is out, just to name a few. But they've got an awesome starting rotation that leads the league in strikeout percentage. Pablo Lopez has been great. Sonny Gray has been awesome. Joe Ryan's been very, very good. They have a lot of depth as well. Because of that, I'm going to take the Twins over the Blue Jays in three games. I think the Twins have enough to take down a fraudulent Toronto team and advance to the next round. Then over in the National League, we start with a very interesting NL East matchup. The Marlins and the Phillies. 
is an interesting one. Phillies with the top wild card record. Marlins with the next one. This Phillies team is very similar to last year. They got enough starting pitching to do it. Aaron Nola's been a little more shaky, but Zach Wheeler's been good. And then you kind of choose between you know Christopher Sanchez, Taiwan Walker, and Ranger Suarez to kind of start that third game. But they can mix and match it and get you out on the mound. Their bullpen is a little susceptible, but their offense is just so good with Harper and Schwarber and Castellanos and Bryson Stott. They got a lot of weapons in that lineup. Take it on an interesting Marlins team that got here with starting pitching, but that Marlins starting pitching is kind of injured right now. And I don't really know where they're going pitching-wise behind Jesus Lazardo, who's starting game one, but they have an interesting bullpen led by our old friend Tanner Scott, who's having an incredible year. Finally, after all these years of terrible command issues, Tanner Scott has figured it out, has locked in, and really tapped into all of that potential in that left arm. He's become the Marlins' closer. He's become one of the best closers in the game. Shout out to Scott for that. It'll be interesting to see. The Marlins have a lot of good lefty relievers. The Phillies have a lot of good lefty hitters. Something's got to break right there. Marlins have some good hitters, but Luis Arise, who was chasing 400 all year, didn't really come close. Now he's also injured. He's basically going to be a pinch hitter in this series. I just think the Marlins are going to run out of gas. I got the Phillies in two games in this one. And then finally, kind of a weird series to look at on paper. You got the Diamondbacks at the Brewers. The D-backs who lost four in a row to finish the regular season and kind of allowed the Astros to win the AL West. Limp into the playoffs a little bit as the sixth seed, but they will go to Milwaukee, who again won a weak NL Central to get the three seed. Now, Milwaukee has this like great three-headed monster starting staff that everyone's always talking about. And then they got some terrible injury news on Monday. Brandon Woodruff, who had returned in August, was pitching very well, was slated to be their number two starter. Shoulder injury, going to miss the wildcard series, and reports are he might miss the entire postseason for the Brewers. That is not good. That moves Freddie Peralta up to game two, and then a lot of question marks for game three for the Brewers. Their offense is William Contreras, some Christian Yelich, and then a bunch of question marks. But here's the thing. I don't really believe in the D-backs at all. They got good young talent. Corbin Carroll's awesome. Love watching Cattell Marte play. Christian Walker, former Oriole, has a lot of power. Zach Gallen's been a really good starter this year, but they're starting Brandon Fott in game one. I just don't believe in the D-backs. So despite Woodruff being injured, I think because of that, maybe the D-backs get one game, but give me the Brewers in three to move on. So that my predictions for the ALDS matchups would be the Rays and the Orioles, and then the Twins and the Astros on the AL side, and then it would be the Phillies and the Braves, a rematch of last year, and then the Brewers and the Dodgers in the NLDS. And one last thing I wanted to get to was a little more specifically on the Rangers and Rays series, because of course that is the series where the winner of the best of three series at the Trop does travel to Baltimore to take on the Orioles starting on Saturday in the ALDS. So just want to do a little pros and cons list for each team to kind of help you decide you know, who you would rather play, who you'd like to cheer for this week between the Rangers and the Rays. Let's start with the Rangers. The pros of playing the Rangers, their starting rotation is decimated. We know early in the year, Jacob deGrom got Tommy John. Then they traded for Max Scherzer at the deadline. He's injured too. Doesn't look like he's pitching in the postseason. He's trying to come back. Don't think it's going to happen. Then John Gray just got put on the injured list right before the regular season ended. He's going to miss the wildcard series, and I don't think he's going to be eligible to return for the ALDS either. So basically their starting rotation is Jordan Montgomery, who's been really good since they acquired him from the Cardinals. Orioles should have gotten him. Then it's Nathan Eovaldi, who's come back and not looked good from injury. And then maybe like Andrew Heaney, who's been okay. 
A lot of starting pitching injuries for the Rangers. Their bullpen is terrible. Not good in that pen at all. That's kind of a, a one-two punch that would help out the Orioles. And they're not really playing good baseball right now. Like, they just had the AL West almost wrapped up and blew it over the weekend. Not a good look for the Rangers. However, the cons of playing the Rangers is that offense is awesome. The combination of Corey Seager and Marcus Semien at the top of the order is one of the best one-two punches in baseball. They can score a lot of runs, and they've done it against the O's this year. Orioles went just 3-3 three and three against the Rangers. They took 2-3 of three in Texas early in the season, but then in June, Rangers came back and took 2-3 of three at Camden Yards, including that 12 runs off Grayson Rodriguez they got on that Friday night that sent Rodriguez back down to AAA. They can hit the ball. They've done it against the O's. That does scare me a little. Now, on the flip side for the Rays, the pros of playing the Rays, first of all, they are very, very injured. Not just in the starting rotation, we know they've lost Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs and Shane McClanahan, who you could have argued this year at one point where their top three starters, they're all out. But it's also some hitters like Yandy Diaz is banged up, Randy Rosarena is banged up, they lost Brandon Lau for the season. We know they don't have Wander Franco, that's not an injury issue, that is a, he shouldn't, if things are true, shouldn't play baseball ever again, and beyond that as well. He's not in there. It's a very injured team. And also, the Orioles have won against them this year. O's went 8-5 and five against the Rays this season, played very well against Tampa all year long, whether it was in Baltimore or down at the Trop. Now, the cons, of course, the Rays have done it before, right? They, they're in the postseason basically every year. They advanced to the World Series back in 2020. Now, they didn't have a good postseason last year. Basically didn't score in the wildcard series last year when they lost to Cleveland. But they have been there, done that. And with all of the depth they have, they're still good, right? They've had all these injuries, but the rotation, now it's Glass now, now it's, you know, Savali and Eflin and Zach Littell. They're still dangerous. The bullpen's still as good as advertised. And the offense is still great with all these pieces they plug in. Yeah, they're still tough to face, even if they are that injured. So, because of all that, I would... Slightly, although the O's know the Rays much better, I think I'd slightly rather play the Rangers over the Rays if I had to have a rooting interest for that series this week. But I'll be locked into the Game 1s of the Wild Card Series here on Tuesday, and then I'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the pod. We'll break down, you know, the first game of the Wild Card Series a little bit, but we will also dive into the Orioles' postseason roster. So for the next two days here on the podcast, Wednesday and Thursday, predicting the Orioles postseason roster tomorrow we start with the hitters which hitters either 12 13 or 14 of them will the Orioles take to the playoffs try to make that prediction coming up on tomorrow's episode but until then I'm Connor Newcomb and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day